Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and this week, quantum mechanics. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 328, and our guest this week is Colin Anderson. Colin is a computer scientist turned electrical engineer who has worked on things as varied as quantum key distribution at Los Alamos National Laboratory, a tool to help decipher glyphs of classical Mayan civilization, and FPGA firmware at the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory. He is currently an engineer and co-founder of Orthogonal Systems, an engineering and software development firm specializing in custom test and measurement hardware, databases, and data analysis. Thank you so much, Colin, for coming on our podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. You know, before we start, I have to ask, what is the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory? It's... It's kind of like a Bond villain lair. It's uh, <laughs> this cubic mile of sensors in the ice at the at exactly the South Pole and in Antarctica, and um, <laughs> and that's where they make sharks with lasers, right? I mean, I would hope so, but <laughs> um, it's because neutrinos they they sometimes the the only way they really interact is they release like a little photon of light but they they don't hit things very often so you just need this huge volume of water usually and so they have a cubic mile of it and um all these sensor nodes just buried in the ice that talk to each other and try to make see new see the universe using neutrinos basically so oh that's cool Uh, (laughs) out of curiosity what's the goal with that whole device um to learn about neutrinos, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so, so I mean, so like it's all about. We we know our understanding of physics is incomplete because we have this thing called the standard model, and it doesn't include gravity and um, doesn't explain dark matter and all this other stuff, and so we thought maybe neutrinos might be like like partly uh, what dark matter is. And, um, and there's, it was like, it was potential new physics, but now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what they're doing now. Um, cause that, that ended up being kind of a dead end, I think. Hmm. Um, but, um, so yeah, neutrinos are not dark matter. They're not, not that exciting. So <laughs> anymore, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to like crap all over the i mean i just don't know what their what the goal is now but um yeah sure i just i just love the uh the the idea of uh, this huge like science project that involves things like a mile of you know scientific equipment at the south pole to just like for what purpose i don't know like it's fun (laughs) well i mean general research is like really important even if just to see what, I mean, that's kind of like we build these huge particle accelerators, but it's not with any, well, okay. With the LHC, it was to find the Higgs boson, but typically there's not like a specific goal. It's just general research to see what we find. Right. I, I do like the, I, 
the idea behind like particle accelerators is we don't know what we're going to be looking for, but we're just going to smash things at really high speed together and see what happens. Yeah. Um, the same thing with the neutrinos is like, there's these particles. We have no idea what they do. They don't seem to interact with anything. What are they? Yeah. Well, there's, I, um, if you're like an average, like six foot tall person, I think it's, we, I calculated it out. It's like, it's like every 14 years is your neutrino birthday, which is when you will have on average interacted once with a neutrino. <laughs> and, um, just the mean Even time there's between there's, interactions. Yeah, but there's trillions of them passing through you right now every second. They're just don't they have to hit the nucleus of an atom directly and the nucleus is I mean atoms mostly in empty space. They just don't hit anything very often. <laughs> is that cuz one there's not a lot of space in well there's a lot of space in atoms. But is it too that a neutrino is also very tiny, like in comparison? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's both. Okay. Yeah. And a neutrino has neutral charge. Am I right on that? Yeah, it has. It only interacts via the weak force. The um, and yeah, it has no charge, electrical charge. And we th we thought there might be a and there's three of three kinds of them, and they oscillate between those three types for some reason. <laughs> and <laughs> well, I think it sounds like we need to make a bigger work. experiment just to find out the reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're just so hard to detect. So, but also, we uh, thought there might be a. Oh, sorry. Well, on uh, on um, uh, colliders, I love the fact that like every time we build a collider. It's it's always one more step where it's like this one goes ninety nine percent the speed of light. This one goes ninety nine point <laughs> nine the speed of light. Like it just keeps going. Well, it's 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 all about the electron volts mm. that you can accelerate stuff to because when they hit, I mean, if there's enough energy to make a particle that this much mass and electron volts, then they'll get created, just probabilistically. And so, like the Higgs Higgs boson is really massive, so that's why I had to build the LHC just to find it and that kind of thing. It it's also um, not just smashing electrons together or particles together i should say but like thinking about the the, the design and how you're going to measure that stuff because first of all you don't even know like what you're even looking for potentially and then you're like we have to measure that somehow and we don't know what it is i mean <laughs> if you've ever seen those pictures where it's like a little guy standing next to this huge thing just packed with equipment like this huge cylinder i mean that's that's the detector it measures all the paths of these particles that move through it and it and it produces like gigabytes of data per second just the computer to like computing like just to save the information is like a problem so it's I, I would totally binge watch a whole series on just the design of the sensors in yeah, at CERN that would be amazing I mean, well, yeah, that would that'd be cool. Um, I mean, now they have like a sub the future collider planned, which is, I think it's the ring is a hundred hundred kilometers. Oh, geez, what, what's um, it called? The future? Uh, the future circular collider FCC. 
And I mean, then this is called the extra large collider. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Physicists aren't the best at naming things sometimes, but yeah, it it used to, it was the problem that like, kind of like Nintendo had with their game consoles. They called the first one, you know, the Nintendo. And then there was the super Nintendo. (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, okay, what's more than super? And you act, they were going to call it the Ultra Nintendo, and then they ended up not <laughs> doing that, and they ended up doing Nintendo 64. But the code name was like the Ultra Nintendo. And that's just a funny, just pat, like, and then what's after Ultra then? So. Giga. <laughs> Giga Nintendo. Uh, but the same thing, it's like, they already called one like the large one. So it's like, <laughs> next one's going to be bigger, guys. What? Yeah, and then and then as soon as the future circular collider is like old news, and they're building the the next one, like seems like that's not the best name for it. <laughs> uh, well, they'll just change the oh, name yeah. to the past collider and make past it the collider. New, there we go. The new future. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Colin, um, hmm. there was a video. That we wanted to yeah, chat about. Um, <laughs> I mean, you had you guys had touched on it a while ago that um, the video Veritasium put out about energy and where it flows and that kind of thing. I think thought it was and like how he, electricity wor- actually works. Yeah, and he got a ton of blowback um, from just about all the EE YouTubers and. You know, and so he put out a new video titled "How Electricity Actually Works," I, but I guess actually more than the last video. I don't know. I think, I think <laughs> and, um, the, the title of the first video is "Energy: uh, A Big oh. Misconception About Electricity," and and the 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 the, the uh, splash image says, "Energy doesn't flow in wires," which is a pretty mm-hmm. bold statement, right? And, and I mean, okay, he he's technically wasn't wrong about that. It is mostly in the fields, but he was arguing that it mostly just went through the air, like like just directly from the battery over. to the bulb. <laughs> and and I mean that does happen, but we all just know it as near field effects, right? Like electrostatic fields, magnetic fields, like induction. That's that's what he was talking about. And yeah, and if you have a transformer and you like, like, very specifically construct it to like optimize for this, then yeah, you can transfer like a ton of energy like through the air. But I mean, it's like barely through the air. It's a tiny, tiny air gap usually. But, um, but what the thing is is like for DC, like that trans and like near field stuff is going to transfer almost none of the power and um if if you actually look at what's called the pointing vector which he talks about in this new video um which is just a vector that it's gives you the energy flux through um to an electromagnetic um field so um it's in watts per square meter and it just tells you where the energy is flowing and you can simulate it or do whatever, but I mean, it all like it's in like a little um, cylinder, like around the wire. 
it flows along the wire and partly in the wire. Um, it only is completely external to the wire if the wire is superconducting, but um, just any conductor, it's partly in the wire as well. And that is what transfers the bulk of the energy, unless it's so fast that you're like using a coax cable. And in that case, it's in the dielectric, but I mean, that's, um, and he, he, uh, so he, he has the, I like the second video is much better. Like I don't have any of the issues I had with, with it that I had with the first one, but, um, let's see. And I, he, I think it's funny too, cause at the, at the beginning of this new video, he kind of addresses where it's like, okay, I need to really like revisit this and, and go a little bit more in depth because he really did kind of, uh, rustle some, some feathers a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. He still, he, he measure he does measure the effect and it's, and it's such this tr tiny transient from just flipping the switch on, like it's a resistor connected to a battery and some long wires and it trend it, the power is like 14 milliwatts which is enough to light an led but the thing is the trend that transient was three nanoseconds long so and it i it was like 40 pico joules that it transferred so you say it was enough to light up an led but probably not enough for us to register the led even lit up yeah yeah so what was I the mean, experiment it, that he was doing there like how was that all set up um he just he had uh two really long wires i can't remember how long but they were i think they're a meter apart and he had a twenty thousand dollar oscilloscope balanced on top of a ladder <laughs> to like um and he you know was measuring the characteristic impedance and all this other stuff and but yeah he he had a battery and like a resistor or maybe it was a light bulb i can't remember and you flip a switch and you have the oscilloscope hooked up a, across the resistor and well yeah you see a transient from when the switch turns on like that's like near field uh propagation and then a bit later, after the time you would expect it to take for the current to go all the way around the wire, you see a much higher voltage, which is the actual current flowing. And so that's what where most of the energy comes from. And, and that's flowing effectively in the wires, right? Well, I mean, it depends on the current, but it's in the wire and around the wire it's a long it's the most of it is just outside the wire like um well, yeah, cause and it, he cause it, he oh go ahead oh no no I oh because well the that field falls off was it square root of two or something like that um, yeah so it like inverse square yeah, inverse square that's it um and uh because of that like yeah it doesn't propagate too far out so um it's still with the wire though yeah yeah it follows the the pointing vector like it they it goes out from the battery or whatever then almost immediately bends around to follow the wire 
that's what he didn't show really in the first video. Well, so. and, and I think that's the misconception because in the first video, the pointing vector, the way that it was described is that it, it goes from the battery directly to the source, almost magically. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that, uh, sure, a tiny, tiny amount of energy does flow that way. But he, he was just showing the vectors and not the actual like uh, energy density. So yeah, I think a a better experiment for this would be set it up how he had it, but then also set up like forty more of these scopes that are measuring the, like all along the wire, because then you could actually probably measure, you could see that wave come around, so to speak. Yeah, you'd have to trigger them all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean this this might like. This this is open to like uh, debate, but it's actually not like a hundred percent accepted that the pointing vector, act, like um, the, can be interpreted how they're interpreting it for um, static fields, because um, um, there's uh, no, that's going to be a whole can of worms, but um, you know. <laughs> Let's go right into it. Yeah, you can make an it, argument man. that you can make an argument that it strictly only applies to a, propagating electromagnetic waves, and that it. Oh, so when you're in steady it's not, state, it's not actually radiating out. It and when you're in steady state, it you could interpret it as saying the the inner the energy flux is instead the rate that that field is is changing in in the in space or in a vacuum rather than the energy flowing through it essentially um and it's called the dispersion um relation i think uh i mean but it's one of those things where it really it doesn't really matter it's philosophy it sounds like like how you interpret yeah it's how you want to decide that the the it's what the numbers mean like you can you can choose a few different things, but they're the same numbers, you know. So, no. oh. oh, I'm going over oh. Colin's notes. Oh. Yeah, I am too. Here. Yeah, <laughs> looking this over. Sorry for the for the, for the blank here. I mean, so I don't know. It'd be cool if. Uh, so, I did want to talk about kind of what what electrical current really is, like, and flowing in the wire, because um, in that second video, he he's describes the electrons as. Well, you know, these little particles and they they hit stuff and transfer energy kinetically and that's dual heating and resistance and that kind of thing. It's that's something called the Drude model. Um, it's really old. It's useful for a few things, but it's not a, it's not what's really physically happening. Um, and so but to do that <laughs> have to go kind of deep let's do it um colin you got right. 40 minutes so we got it <laughs> okay 
man. So, so there's this thing called quantum field theory. It's, um, it's, it's quantum mechanics after we unified it with special relativity and what, and the really important thing to understand is that particles are like made up. They don't exist. Well, they, we still talk about particles, but they're not particles how we think of a particle. Like they're not these like berries flying through space yeah. or whatever. When, when you ask, when you say something's a particle, people immediately think sand or dust. Yeah. Or I just think of like, you know, alien geographic would like write an article about how hunter gatherers have berry based physics or something. Cause they're like, <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, we're in that phase of, of evolution, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, and there's been this whole, I don't know, disservice maybe to to um, people's understanding of quantum physics, quantum mechanics, because um, because we're so so hung up on this idea of particles. But the the thing is, quantum mechanics is really just waves doing wave stuff. Like it's nothing that any engineer would be unfamiliar with. Um, and the only weird thing is that these waves are quantized, which means they can only have like the integer multiples of, of energy. So that's why we, what, what we call particles are just these quantized waves that have to only have this certain energy, but they can move around. And so, but they're still waves. Um, and that's what, so the quantum quantum fields are just the the um uh oh, what's it uh, the medium that um that these uh particles quote unquote um propagate through and so there's there's you know there's like an electron field and there's a photon field and there's um a uh Higgs boson the Higgs field there's a field for all the different elementary particles and you can think of a particle as just a vibrational mode in these in in one of those fields. Um, if have you seen those uh, YouTube videos of it's like a speaker that vibrates a plate of metal, mm -hmm. and you put sand on it, and it makes these weird yeah, yeah patterns, patterns of out. resonance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's those patterns, and it it quickly shifts between them as you increase the frequency those that's kind of what's going on with um with particles it's these these vibrational modes in the quantum fields but but isn't it isn't um, it such that with a field of like say electron field or or, or whatever mm -hmm. that if you look at the, the mathematical model and and i'm i'm asking a question here uh but it's uh like a value of of zero where the electron doesn't exist and then it grows to some value where the electron does exist is am i interpreting oh, yeah. that correct well um yeah kind of, uh, so i mean it's still a way so what right? you're talking about yeah what what you're talking about is what um is a quantum wave function as we call them but and it's just a complex valued function um so it's a wave that is oscillating in kind of two two different degrees of freedom and one of them is complex and 
you know, just it's not that much different than impedance, like that. Um, and the if you square the magnitude of this wave function at any particular spot, you get what's called the probability amplitude, which is the probability of an interaction taking place um, with that that particle. And so you and this is where the whole quantum inter the the interpretations of quantum mechanics comes into play because people are like they really want to think about what does that mean like what is the wave function what what physical thing is actually going on and i mean we don't know and it i mean i would argue it doesn't really matter <laughs> um Feynman um that that physicist was a big proponent of just saying the math works like I mean why are we arguing about what it what it means physically because it's nothing we can we you can't like you can only you can't observe this part of of reality directly you can only just see the results so it's kind of a black box in that way and um so you know that's that's where you get the copenhagen interpretation or like the mini worlds interpretation all these different ways of looking at it but they the math and everything else is is exactly the same it's just it's philosophy essentially and so i would just encourage people to just pick the one they like the most i, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like that yeah because sometimes it can feel like you're separating like this idea of the physical reality and putting a blanket of mathematics that just kind of defines it or at least explains it slightly on top of it but i suppose that if the math like works out then you can in a way just trust that well i mean i should be, clarify something so um we are more sure about the correctness of quantum field theory than we are about any other like thing that we know as a species. The it has made the most accurate prediction of the most precisely measured thing that we've ever measured, which is some really it's something really specific about the electron. Um, it's this um, how its angular momentum is distributed compared to its mass, but. Um, so we are like we are more sure that this is this theory works than we are about essentially anything like the sun rising the next day the um like general relativity which is also very successful but so it's not it's i'd say it's a little more than just i mean it works it works really well um so but it's it's incomplete and i and i sometimes i think what if this is just what if there's another like kind of set of equations that that could be shown to be equivalent to this that that would be that would be interpreted in a completely different way or something so may, i who knows if this is like the only way that you can like solve for reality or whatever but oh yeah i mean yeah. Well, yeah, that sounds to, like some of my it, finals just, solve for reality <laughs> well no what you're getting at is is we have a set of equations that 
what Stephen's cover is talking about is, is blanketing this this section of our reality, and but there's a gap there, and having a instead of trying to um, expand the current set, maybe looking at it at a different viewpoint to see if there's something else that can also explain, you know, the math, what's going on. And then that also bridges the gap, but in a completely different kind of way, I guess. And there's, there's definitely, so that, I mean, there's a few theories that extend quantum field theory and there's several theories that are doing something else completely like theoretical physics is there's a it's a very um uh idea rich landscape is how i'll put it but there these the reason there's so many theories is the only way to test test if they're right is essentially building larger and larger particle accelerators and that takes a lot of time and yeah so people have theoretical physicists have more thought time than experimental time yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean but on the other hand you have these this crazy thing where you know one one person predicts this entire particle and field like 60 years in advance like with the higgs field and higgs boson um so that's you know we're doing something right Mm -hmm. but we're also missing um, something because like quantum field theory does not like gravity is just missing. Like it just does not like account for it at all. So that's, that's a problem. And, <laughs> and also recently, um, cause this is the same thing. The standard model is like experimental particle physics. It's a quantum. The standard model is a quantum field theory. And usually what we re- what we mean when we say quantum field theory. So that's interchangeable. But recently um, we've determined that the mass of this one um, ele- elementary particle is just is wrong. Um, or is rather what we predict is wrong. And so the standard model is is probably wrong. <laughs> but we don't know exactly how or like because it's really right it's it's great about everything else except the mass of this one one it's the w the w plus boson, boson right? i think yeah yeah and and the, there's one other thing which is um some interaction cross section which is how likely a reaction will occur um between uh, i think it's the top quark it's one of the quarks and these two things are like off enough that it's a big problem. And, and then gravity. I mean, yeah. And gravity <laughs> That's a problem. And so, so, but I mean, all of this stuff, it usually how so far it's always been the, we find a more fundamental theory. And then the earlier theory is just a limiting case of that theory. So, so I, I mean, I'm not, We'll see. Like, it's totally possible this could all be just like, just happen to almost work. And there's something co- totally different. But at least so far, what usually happens is we find out that what we know now is just, uh, uh, it's still kind of, it's not wrong. It's just 
not the whole picture. It's an edge case. Yeah, a limited limiting case. Kind of like how, you know, Newtonian mechanics is the limiting case of relative special relativity for like low speeds, essentially, that kind of thing. Um But oh yeah, well, back to the <laughs> Yeah, how does this all relate stuff. to current? Um so um so it's important to understand. Okay, so now that we we know that or can think of like particles as being these waves or wave packets, um, now all of it, a lot of stuff in quantum mechanics makes a lot more sense. Like you can intu intuitively uh, intuitively understand it. So um, let me ask you this: Let's imagine just a single tone pure sine wave, like um, on the oscilloscope or whatever. Um, where is it? Like, where is the wave? Where does where does it start? Where does it end? Uh, that's that's, I mean, that's incredibly difficult <laughs> to answer, right? Well, no. The it, the thing is, that's it's not. I would argue it's not even a valid question. Right. Like, it doesn't have a location. It just it. You could say it just extends to infinity in both directions or whatever. Um. And so, but what if you wanted to take that wave and like make give it? I, I do have an answer to that though. It what, start, when you turn it on. It, oh, turn okay. it, it starts when you turn it on and ends when you turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, all right, but you okay. even got me though. <laughs> no, I no, knew. Okay, I knew that, that's, I, I've done that's this long enough with Parker. <laughs> <laughs> but in like mathematical theory land, where yeah, yeah, nothing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. It has no start and no finish, right? Correct. I mean, our, yeah. I mean, we're like the land that engineers hate because, but um, it's um, so, but so, what if you wanted to? Well, no, let's just like think about it on the oscilloscope still. Like, um, it's, I mean, okay, yeah, it starts when you turn it on and turn it off, but. You know that could be you you don't necessarily know when you're going to turn off the oscilloscope mm -hmm. um and so it's still kind of the important thing is it's not it's poorly defined mm. now if you wanted to turn this into a very localized moment in time um what you how how would you do that you would start adding harmonics um so you you would start that that would constructively and destructively interfere, and you start adding like integer harmonics, and you know you get something that looks like the sync function, you, um, it just like ripples that spike in the middle and then slowly fade on either side, and you keep adding more and more harmonics. This thing will this pulse will get narrower and narrower and be a taller and taller spike, or rather a shorter and shorter spike, like an impulse. Um, yeah, and so, so, um, and these are like frequency is and momentum in waves is proportional. Like energy, momentum, frequency, it's all kind of the same thing. So it's and these two things, like um, the and we're just talking about the frequency domain and the time domain, and they're related by a Fourier transform. You can and that is 
what the Heisenberg uncertainty principle actually is. The only there's like um a constant that it has to always be it it never goes to infinity. It's always like these two two things multiply to always equal this constant or less than it. Um but so the position of like an electron and its momentum or energy are you can it's a Fourier transform to con convert one to the other. And so if if you have a very localized electron, it's in a very like specific spot, that means there's a ton of these like harmonics of other possible energies this electron could be at that are all interfering with each other to, to make it that local. And then vice versa, if you if it's like has a very specific energy, then it has a very large position that it could be. And is this making any no, sense at yeah, all? Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> visualizing it as the impulse. Um, no, it makes it, that's actually starting, starting to make some sense. Um, I mean, so you can think of this as if you had like a slit and you're shining light through it and you start narrowing the slit, the light has to be in a more, a smaller and smaller position you're like making localizing it to to squeeze through that slit and that because of that its momentum becomes more uncertain and you, what you see that is you narrow the slit the beam of light what it hits will widen it diffuses yes as you do that and that but we that's just like wave propagation too like this this is this is common to all waves like everything i've just talked about but it just gets weird when you're talking about, you know, these actual physical things and the berries, but right? yeah, the berries, but this is bringing back so, nightmares of H and, <laughs> and, and H bar and, and all that good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the constant physics. Planck's constant. <laughs> yep. yep. But it's not, it's not as like weird and scary as people think. And when, and when like it, it, but it's quantized, so at the end, like of the photon or the electron, it just hits at one spot because that's all the energy it has. To it can only do that one interaction. Um, but up until then, it's probably going to be like a wave and interfere with itself and all this other stuff. And that's the wave-particle duality. But um, it's I don't know. I feel like that is a little more accessible, maybe. Um, when you think about it as like wave mechanics or whatever. Um, but, uh, okay, I don't know. Let's see. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the reason I'm talking about all this is, so um, we in a, in a wire, these electrons, the conduction band, you know, like of semiconductors or conductors, that's a band of energy levels that the electrons can be at. And that means they're at very well-defined momentum. So they're delocalized to a large degree um, and they behave like waves inside the wire. And what conduction is, is these electrons actually, when they see the lattice of metal ions or whatever they they don't hit the atoms they tunnel right around them and 
when something tunnels, it's basically just part of part of the wave function goes through it and part of it is reflected back. Um, don't ask me what physically that means, like because <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> that's good. Um, but this this reflection actually forms a standing wave with the instant electrons wave function. And that allows the electron to propagate through the metal almost unimpeded. Like there's just, cause metals really are like very good conductors. Like that's not like a normal property of, of most things to be, to be able to do that. And, and, um, but what resistance is in that case is, you know, the, the lattice isn't perfect. There's dislocations, there's impurities and, also, there's um, vibration, which changes, stretches the lattice, and then it's not in the right spot, like the for the standing wave of the electron to to be a standing wave, and that causes some losses. And so that's why metals resistance goes up with heat, because there's more more vibration, mm. and then um, um, although then other things semiconductors there it's kind of the reverse and or rather the their resistance tends to go down with um, temperature and that is because they their conduction band is only partially filled and the extra heat is boosting more electrons from the valence band up to the conduction band and they still have that that um um increase in resistance from temperature, but it, it's much less than the boost they're given in conductivity from the extra electrons. And um, so that's what's called the free electron model of electricity. And that's, um, there's a slightly newer one, but it doesn't conceptually really change anything. Um, but, uh, oh, I'm almost forgetting, I mean, is this is this still is this interesting or is this no? Uh, I, I, I I'm re being reminded by basically <laughs> uh, uh, electrical physics like two hundred one or something like that, mm. and yeah, the free the free electron model was the one that my school taught. Yeah, no, I think that's like that's it's a good model. Um, it can predict almost all the properties of of metals. Um, and, and including things like the Seebeck effect and that kind of thing. So it works very well. Now, one thing I didn't, um, um I think this might be an interesting question or might be stupid. I don't know yet. Um, no, so we, we're talking about, so the standing wave that gets formed, the more perfect the metal is the less impedance it will have, um, because of it basically hitting stuff. Um, now is that one is is an electron making its own wave or are we seeing a wave of multiple electrons going like do they follow each other um or is it it's, a zillion waves of all each electron yeah it's it's of each electron okay be individually with itself okay. and not the um so they don't have that's a, Do they have a lot of interaction with each other because I know they're all. That's a very good question. Um, that's exactly what I was wanted to get to. Okay. <laughs> so, 
electrons are fermions, which is um, um, it, I do it's not a type know of particle. <laughs> oh, well, there's there's it's named after a for uh, Enrico Fermi. Okay. Um, and there's bosons and fermions, with the are classes of particles, and it refers to if their spin, which is mm-hmm. an angular momentum but quantized, if it's uh, integer, which is boson, or half integer, which is fermion. So it could be like a boson could have a spin of two or zero or one, right. but a fermion would have what? What would a half integer be? Um, no. one half. Okay, okay. I, I was just making sure. Like exactly one okay, half. Okay. Got, 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 <laughs> yeah, got, yeah. Got, got. I was just making yeah, sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, that's a good. That's good to um to specify. Again, this is all really abstract. Um, spin is a whole whole thing in its own right. Um, because it's not like familiar, like just things rotating. But uh, I'm not going to get into that. But so electrons are what's called um, anti-parallel, or or no, anti-symmetric. Basically, they, you can't, if you shift the wave 360 degrees, it will not be in phase with itself. Um, You have to shift it 720 degrees. And the result of this is that um, any electron, if you try to put, shove it into the same like um, energy level or quantum state as we call it um, it's going to com- completely destructively interfere with the electron that's already there and so fermion and well it doesn't have to be electrons it's any fermion but what it, it means that they cannot be in the same state they can't be in the same energy okay. level so so the electrons actually they do not interact with each other electromagnetically. Now I'm a huge fan of the like tube filled with ping pong balls model of electricity. And that was that was my explanation I mean, for the original podcast we had with about this topic was like a Congo line of particles. Yeah. And I mean it it works like for basically anything that we would ever have to do. So don't you know don't think you have to abandon this like description or anything. <laughs> but I, I'm hoping I mean, to improve no, no, no. It. Okay. Well I mean I'm just uh, so improve or well, confuse I, okay it. I, it is sad, sad it is kind of a satisfying um what what is actually happening. So so these elect the electrons don't interact with each other like electromagnetically because they're kind of just in the sea of positive charge like you know there's no uh, metal generally i mean isn't doesn't have like a net charge it's neutral um which means the fields are canceling each other out and so the electrons there's no there's so much positive it's just canceling that's called a dressed electron and it's just its field is canceled out by all the positive ions nearby and they don't really feel. And, and I guess the, they're also the density is so low that they are not close enough to each other to repel each other. Would that be well, a way to think about I it? I mean, well, no, they're I kind of, but it's also that they're not, they're spread out. They don't have like positions. They don't exist at like <laughs> at specific okay, locations. That, so, okay, that's going back a, towards the slip experiment and talking about 
okay. yeah field probability so they're delocalized it's just yeah. a soup they're like waves and so but so they really just superimpose on each other but um they they're also isolated from each other because it would take a ton of energy the energy of like two electrons basically to force them into the same energy level so when you're actually and when you're actually sorry to interrupt again so when you're measuring oh no, it's all stuff you're actually not just it's a weird way to think about because usually you're like oh it's blah 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 amps right the flow mm -hmm. you're actually technically measuring all these individual waves just kind of summed together well yeah so that's what that's <laughs> you're very, this is exactly what i what i'm um, trying to get at is um so this uh what i've described is called what's called a fermi gas it's a, like behaves kind of like a gas made of fermi and fermions and there's a pressure that results from these all these energy states and the electrons not wanting to to be in the same state and in fact this is part this is a huge contributor to the um like the rigidity of metals is this um um it's uh, sorry i should have said what this is it's called the poly exclusion principle um the not wanting to inhabit the same state for fermions but um so when you have a bunch of these states filled with electrons, there's a pressure and it's like an actual mechanical pressure. And so what, when, when a current is propagating, it's propagating as a pressure wave through this Fermi gas. So it's essentially a sound wave, but in a very through, but in through, but it's propagating in the form of the density of states of these electrons. <laughs> so, so it's very, okay, no, no, it's very, okay. So yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a pressure, a, a density fluctuation of the electrons. Yeah. Through I mean, a conductor. Yes. And it's very, it's analogous to just sound traveling through a, you know, a solid, um, but it's for, it's for very, quantum ab quantum e abstract reasons but i mean that doesn't really matter i mean it's still like at the high level yeah, at the high it's it's a pressure wave and and it's very it's a very real thing like pol the poly exclusion principle is what makes things solid that's why you're not falling through your chair right now it's not electrical repulsion because again the that might work if everything was like ionized and had a charge and it was could repel but atoms are you know for the most part neutral and it's because the electrons those orbitals those are the different energy levels and they don't want to they can't overlap that's why things are solid too it's a mechanical pressure um and so it's the same thing that conduction band is just those orbitals of atoms have taken to a huge extreme so there's a ton of different states but i mean that's what's flowing through a wire is this fermi gas made of electrons and so i don't know if that was see that's not this is why it's not necessarily an improvement because it's harder to understand for like no good reason 
unless you're doing like <laughs> condensed matter physics. So no, I kind of I kind of love that this is sort of the exact opposite uh, in a way where like instead of trying to like take this concept that was difficult to understand and say let's boil it down to something simpler that is more practical we take it and we go the other way and like let's make it even more not difficult to understand but like let's make our understanding um even wider but uh but in a in a different kind of way and and so yeah so I, this pressure this pressure wave on fermi gas how how does that respond or how does that look like at static conditions like dc conditions um because like i and perhaps i'm i'm thinking about it differently because we're saying the word wave but is it a constant pressure in a way because it is static yeah so it's um they the you know at the end of the day there are like electrons like flowing into the positive terminal or whatever of the voltage source and there are electrons flowing out of the negative one and they they're being pushed into, you know, they have to push their way uh, and uh, onto the wire and they make, generate this pressure. And then on the other end they're So in a way it actually kind of is the paint tube filled with ping pong balls, but in a very kind of abstract way, I guess. So that's that it, it, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was oh, um, yeah, so that's one thing I want to touch on this with here is the so voltage voltage is how they teach it in school is it's the potential that makes electrons move. So it is out. So the voltage potential is causing this pressure wave to happen then because it, it is it is wanting to shove or gobble, I guess, because it's how you want to think about it, the electrons off the wire. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's also the surface charges, surface charges on the wire, um, that are that are kind of squeezing these things in the in one direction. Um, it actually a better analogy might be squeezing like toothpaste out out of a tube, and the the surface charge is that put on the wire outside of the wire or the field around it is like your hand pushing it. Um, okay. They're squeezing it. I, that's that's the best I could. It's it's a all ends up being the same thing looked at in different ways, I guess. Because you you can get the same result just with Maxwell's equations. Like mm -hmm. uh, this is um, this is on, the description that I'm talking about becomes important, like. Um, if you're doing like maybe semiconductor stuff or condensed matter stuff, but for like actually modeling a conductor, it's, you know, it's uh, just, you know, Maxwell's equations with extra steps. So, <laughs> so, that, so one, one question I have here is, cause we were talking about it as a standing wave similar to sound. Could you technically model a conductor that way though? using sound equations how sound propagates through material just as a high level um, we don't have to go way into it no 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 yes you absolutely can in fact um if you i think if you go on the wikipedia page for fermi gas it has a really nice like um derivation where at the end 
you what you end up with is the same equation you get for like gas like a pressure in a gas mm. like you get the you can derive the the exact same math from from this very kind of exotic uh, model of like all these states interacting which is i think is really cool but yeah you absolutely can <laughs> yes yeah, so i think more or a good takeaway from this conversation is there's a lot of different ways to explain the same thing different equations to do the same thing yeah well yeah i think i, I how i would put it is um there's a a, a deeper explanation of something is a good way to like check if it's right is if you can recover like the earlier model out of it because you know we know it works like empirically it works so like anything if but it the it can't answer like it can't predict like all the properties of metals or whatever Whereas this free electron model can, um, except for, I think, a couple, I can't remember which. But then there's a newer model that I think can predict like uh, more or less all the properties of a metal. And, but it the model is, I mean, at the end of the day, it just lets you predict those properties. Like, that's what you're getting out of it. Um, but the earlier models, they 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 work just fine and so and at the at, all of these are just models cuz um the there's so many like particles interacting and stuff like you know it's like the three body problem times a quinti quadrillion um or like probably more with how many electrons are in like an amp yeah. so um there's it's just we can't do the the math is too hard, so we come up with these models that, you know, kind of simplify smooth it, it out. And, yeah. Um. So, I want I kind of want to keep talking about this, this standing wave um, idea because we talked about how resistance would work, um, which mm -hmm. is the imperfections in the metal and um, uh, vibrations, vibrations, but like basically reflections of the wave cause that problem to happen actually can, can i can i do one quick tangent real quick i had a question about that mm -hmm. specifically is that is that some kind is it can we define superconductivity in that way in terms of if 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 some conductor is uh exhibits superconductivity is that just the wave function of the electrons and the wave function of the material not interacting yes well it depends Okay, so there's two kinds of superconductivity, but the the cleverly named type one superconductivity, <laughs> that's exactly how it works. If you probably heard of Cooper pairs, heard that term? Maybe. Maybe? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, it's superconductors. Ele these electrons actually pair up um, in these things called Cooper pairs, and to f become bosons because now they have integer spin when you had two halves together. And that means they can inhabit the same energy state. And then some crazy quantum math stuff happens and that lets them 
propagate <laughs> like like without you know without any energy loss like perfect perfect conduction now i mean i i mean that like i i don't know i just don't know i know but conceptually that's that's how it's supposed to work yeah what's going yeah um and it's something and it's also has to do with the shape of like the because usually it's like these specific um well oh no no i'm thinking of type two um but yeah i mean it has to be really cold because i assume just the vibrations can still mess that Mm -hmm. up and so you have to get it um then there's type two sun superconductivity we don't we don't know how it works really it's um much weirder it's the electrons seem to be forming like a super fluid um, which is a fluid that has no viscosity that's one giant wave function and um it's weird so it's one wave function that describes all of the electrons rather all the electrons collapse into a single wave function um this can happen with uh helium If if you cool it below four degrees kelvin um, it becomes a superfluid, and it is one macroscopic quantum wave function. That and it's it's nuts. Like you it you can move your hand through it, and there's no resistance to the flow. It's like it's a vacuum. There, it has no viscosity, and it flows without any um, dissip- energy loss or or like resistance. So like kind of superfluid, like superconductor. But it's, okay. So resistance, um, we were talking about um, basically just imperfections for the metal, um, which hampers the wave. Now, there's there's two other uh, what we call like fundamental electron electrical things because you have resistance, right? We talked about voltage, but mm-hmm. then we have inde- uh, impedance, not impedance, uh, inductance, and we have capacitance. Um, Mm-hmm. So how does impedance? Nah, I keep saying impedance. How does inductance oh, oh. work with this wave? Because it's a well. This go ahead. I mean, they're all very, they're all related, and so yeah, that's um, what I was asking. Like, how does it relate to this idea of this this standing wave of electrons? So, so I mean, there is still like overall movement of because the electrons aren't they're they're spread out, but or a single electron is kind of spread out, but it's still like, you know, it overall, there's this dense, there's movement of these charges. Um, and so the, in, well, it's all back to the fields. Um, so the, uh, like capacitance is basically a measure of the energy that will get stored in an electric field. Okay. And inductance is the same, but um, for current in a magnetic field. And so, so I, I, just throwing it out there. So would would inductance be kind of like how stretchy <laughs> the wave can be? No. Uh, so inductance would just is just when how much energy will be stored per per amp. In, in a magnetic field. Okay. And so impedance, um, the reactive component mm-hmm. of impedance, or the, rather the complex component, is it's still in ohms. It's just uses um, imaginary numbers. And 
the it's like resistance, but instead of the energy being dissipated, it's just temporary. It comes back into the circuit. So it's so it's resistance due to energy being stored rather than dissipated. Okay. And and so and so when you think of capacitance and inductance as really me- just measuring the propensity of something, you know, coil geometry, whatever, to store energy in these fields, then then it makes that whole relation between capacitance, inductance, the reactive component of impedance, all that make a lot more mm-hmm. sense. It's just, it's all about the energy. And that's, so that's why, like, when you just have like DC current, you just you have to spend that bit of energy to make that static electric field, make that static magnetic field. But after that, you know, you're done. Like no more energy has to go into it. So, and that's why you want your wires, like why you want your like traces to, or why the current flows right under the trace on like a PCB, because that's the easiest spot for it to flow because it's canceling out that magnetic field from the current on top because it's flowing the opposite direction and that means it doesn't have to store that energy in that field and so the impedance is less there's less energy going to that to the storage part so um well and i guess if you were asking just like what the magnetism is it's um I mean that's a that's kind of a can of worms. It's a it's relativity. <laughs> I mean it's due to like length contraction. Like there's a magnetic field is just an electric field in a, a certain frame of reference, but from a moving frame of reference, it looks like a magnetic mm-hmm. field. Um, but there's no that just makes the math harder for no reason. Like so. <laughs> I, mean, no, I just want to no, know it's really how like, it would relate, and you answered it quite well. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, I did. I, I kind of maybe rambled no. there a bit. But, oh. Um, let's see. So, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, what, you know, a kind of gist of what we think is going on in a wire. So, I, um, I, for better or worse. I like how all of this culminates to us just asking something that's pretty fundamental when we're talking about just like electrical engineering as a whole is just like, what is current? And I feel like we could talk another 12 hours on this and, and still be <laughs> like, just asking a whole bunch of questions. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I mean, I, the, the thing is there's just physics is really complicated and really hard. And, um, but the part I, I find it fun to just, you know, Think of it in like conceptually because it's, you know, it's like the engineer, you know, that that desire to like know how things work, like taking stuff apart, maybe putting it back together, that kind of thing. If it goes back together. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Just it's like that, but for reality. (laughs) I don't know. That seems kind of cool. That's amazing. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of the Carl Sagan quote. um, If you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you first have to invent the universe. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you wish to measure current, you first have to invent the universe. I mean, it's true on a desert Island. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Desert> <laughs> island. 
Well, Colin, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast and basically describing how this stuff actually works. I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of people that are probably going to like write you right to you and say like, <laughs> I don't know. I did my best though. Um, I, thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun. Uh, so, Colin, where can people find more about you or talk or get a hold of you? Um, so everything I do is under Meta Colin, and that's with M E T A and then a Colin with two L's. That just under that handle. Um, I have stuff on GitHub. Um, also, you can um, the my um, des- design company. It's just orthogonalsystems.com. Um, but I'm also very active on Stack Exchange, um, so you can look at my profile there. I have a lot of like kind of physics related answers, but I mean mostly in the electrical engineering uh, Stack Exchange. Um, I let's see, yeah, I mean. That yeah, you you can if it's on there, it's under that web handle. Um, so also, yeah. uh, Metacolin's Metacolin. on the MacFab Slack channel virtu- virtually twenty four seven. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 an addiction. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think um, funny enough, I ran across your post about printing three D printing polycarbonate. Yeah, oh really? A long time ago, and I, <laughs> I, I, that's why I, I use your tips and tricks. Oh yeah. yeah, I did. How did they work? How did they oh, work yeah. out for you? Indestructible. Awesome. So. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. Great stuff. I love polycarbonate. Yeah. Um, so again, thank you again, Colin. Uh, Colin, for being on our podcast. Um, yeah, thank you. And if uh, Colin will defend his positions on quantum mechanics in the <laughs> MacFab Slack channel, probably. So, uh, or I'll change my mind if. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm all about being wrong. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or know more about quantum mechanics than Steve and I do, let us know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack.